good morning this morning. It's a good day. I get excited about Sundays. It's it's not just about being here. It's it's about the meaning of of being here. And if you don't understand what I mean when I say that, man, I love, I love, I love, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. There's nothing better than than getting together and spending time with one another, um, talking about what God's doing in our lives, and and just sharing the experiences we've had and the joys of successes and even the battles through the failures man because we strengthen one another when we pull together to unify on a battle Um, battles aren't won by yourself we're just in the flesh man Um, you got to have god and more than likely you got to have prayer warriors with you battling for you Um, brothers and sisters in christ when we unify as a body under one head it doesn't get much more beautiful than that. When, the, when God's body comes together, his children start unifying and acting as one person. Man, it just doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Beautiful things really, really come together and start to happen. Um, with that being said, would you please bow your heads in prayer with me this morning as we ask for the Spirit. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, seeking to get closer to you today, God, we want to learn about you. God, we want to free your spirit within us. God, each and every one of us battle with trying to quench the spirit. Lord, I pray that today we would let our foot off the neck of the spirit, God, that we would allow him to just move around our bodies freely, God, that we would seek seek you for guidance, Lord, seek you for forgiveness, healing. God, all this is possible because of you. Lord, I am thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ today as they join us. Lord, it doesn't get any better than we, as as brothers and sisters, as children of the King, God, as we come together and start acting like we're family. God, it doesn't get any more beautiful than that. God, that's the way you created it. That's the way you designed it, Lord. We're the ones that fall short. So God, help us today love on each other. God, if nothing else, let's just love one another, all of our all of our faults, all of our shortcomings. God, everything that we lack, we can find in you. God, we know that we aren't, but God, we know that you are. And God, that's what we have to realize. What we aren't, you are. God, and we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that lives would be changed here today. God, I, I pray the decisions would be made. God, I pray that life today would be different after walking out of here, God, that we've gathered together in your name, Lord, seeking you, that you would fill us with the spirit, God, that we would leave here a different person than when we came. God, knowing things that we've never known because you opened our eyes to see things that we've never seen before. God, we desire you this morning. That's why we're here. Lord, each and every one of us individually desiring you, Lord. That's what you call us to do. God, we pray for the ones that couldn't be here this morning for whatever reason. God, let them know we love them. God, I just pray that people driving by on the street could feel your love this morning. God, the warmth of the sunshine yesterday just reminded me of all that you are. God, that you're everywhere in everything. Lord, and I am so thankful. God, I pray that you be with this service, Lord. 
that it would be life-changing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I had a kind of a funny story, but it did reveal to me a lesson yesterday. And in being, we don't have a big farm. We've got a, a few cows and some horses and dogs and chickens and and stuff like that with my mom and dad. And you get to be a lot of things whenever you farm a little bit. You get to be a construction worker. You get to build fence. You get to uh, be a vet. You get to see and do things. A little side story. We were having cows preg checked. My cousin was down from Indianapolis. And when Doc put that sleeve on and then ran his hand, my cousin was like, Oh, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, that was just a side note. But you get to be and see and do a lot of things uh, whenever you are a small-time farmer, uh, heavy equipment and all this and that. You just get to do and be a lot of things. Well, yesterday I was lighting some dozer decks on fire, and I got to be a fireman yesterday. Um, it wasn't a pleasant thing, and it got out of control pretty fast but what had happened was is I had several little different decks because my tractor's not that big so I can't pile them very high but I'd lit one let it burn down I lit the second one and it was burning down pretty good and I lit the third one and it was burning down pretty good and I sat there and watched them for a while and they was all burning down and everything was going great and I was in the side by side because I had my diesel and I had you know my lighting stuff and Everything was going fine, so I went back to get the tractor so that I could start pushing these decks in a little bit so they would burn all the way down. So I went back, and I took the bale spikes off, put the bucket on, loaded the bale spikes because I was going to pile some more. And by the time I got back over there on the tractor, half the field was on fire. And I was like, ah, this is bad. This is real bad. And so... My first call was to my mom and dad, and because I had a backpack blower and some things to fight a little fire in, in the, my side-by-side, -side. wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer. And while doing this, I dumped the bell spikes out of the bucket, and I'm traveling through fire trying to scrape with the bucket and put a bunch of stuff out with the tractor. And I called Bruce, because Bruce DeWeese lives kind of right there in our vicinity. And so I called Bruce, and Bruce was, I don't know, him and Melanie were off taking a jaunt somewhere. And uh, he's like, well, I'm not home. And I said, well, call Austin Thompson because I knew he could help me. And uh, anyway, Austin, I guess, wasn't home because he never showed up either. Well, I could realize pretty fast it was starting to head towards my woods. And I was starting to panic a little bit. And I was really going at it. I was running all over the place like a wild man trying to get this thing put out because it was a bunch of grown-up sage grass. And we know how fast that catches and burns. And so... Anyway, in the midst of all this, I finally, mom and dad showed up, and then No Luna and Josh and Zach all showed up because Bruce had called them. Anyway, by the time we got it contained, it was just like, ah, I was so tired. I was dehydrated, and man, it was just, I was sick to my stomach and everything else. And it probably wasn't even that big of a deal. Noel's like, well, I don't know why he's worried about it. it needs to be burnt off anyway. And I said, I understand that. But I was by myself, and it scared me. Um, and so it seemed like the odds were insurmountable, mounted up against me. But anyway, after it was said and done, um, and it had all kind of got burnt off, and I was sitting there, 
And the whole time I'm running with this backpack blower and I'm praying, I'm like, God, help me. God, help me. But it really showed me something. and I thought I should share it with you guys today because it happens in our lives all the time. And what I'm getting at is I had a bunch of little fires and everything was going great while I was tending them. But when I stopped tending these fires, they got out of control really fast. And God was showing me as I was sitting there yesterday afternoon and went back to check these things. They can cause a lot of damage when your fires get unattended to. So that little bitty piece of anger or that little bitty piece of regret or that little bitty piece of whatever sin that we're facing in our lives is fine as long as you're keeping it in check. As long as you're tending it, as long as you're aware of it, as long as you're acknowledging that it's there and that it can be a problem, it's okay. But the minute you want to rationalize sin in your life or you want to leave it unchecked or you want to push it to the back burner because you don't think it's a problem, all of a sudden when it resurfaces, it's going to be a way bigger problem than when you swallowed it down. Than when you pushed it back, when you tried to justify it, because the major cause of sin and repeat sin is the justification thereof, right? I've been in a sinful circumstance where it's just like, it's not that bad. Well, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to do this and it's not going to do that. So I justified sin and made it okay in my own mind when it was actually, in fact, snowballing inside of me, creating more sin in my life that I didn't realize, and also sin that I hadn't even realized yet. Because when I was back at the barn getting the tractor, thinking everything was okay, I was having a conversation with Dad, and I was just him hauling around and wasn't in a hurry for nothing because everything was fine. But when I got back to it, everything was not fine. And in fact, it had grown to be a lot bigger than when I left it. And I just felt that was important because I know we all face things on the daily. That harbored feeling towards somebody or something. You know, that little bit of regret or that little bit of sin. Whatever it is that you're facing. God really showed me yesterday That things are okay while you have them in check, while you're acknowledging the things that are happening, while you have a good handle on stuff and you're right there to oversee it. But the thing about fire is it doesn't care what it touches. It doesn't care what it destroys. So we have Satan that doesn't care what he touches or what he destroys. The only goal for him is to destroy it. The only thing that fire is going to do is destroy. And so God really showed me yesterday that, man, you really have to keep the things that matter in life in check. Or they can snowball on you and they can get out of control real fast. That little sin that you think's okay. That little sin that ain't hurting nobody. In fact, you may be the only one that knows about that little sin. But I could promise you that little sin is growing without you knowing it. And if you don't fight it, and if you don't keep it in check, whenever it comes back around or it surfaces later, it's going to be way bigger than what you remember it being. And it's going to be out of control and you're going to need way more help. 
Luckily, we live in a community and we have people around us that care about us. That Noel gathered his boys from opposite ends of the farm. One was spraying, one was doing something else, and he was doing something else. And he made phone calls and said, drop whatever you're doing. I'm coming to pick you up. We're going. That's what I'm talking about with brothers and sisters in Christ. They're firefighters, man. They're there to lift you up when you get down or when things spiral out of control. They can help contain the burn and the damage because they love you. One thing Noel said before he got back on his side by side, he said, next time call me, I'm close. You know that I love you. That means something, man. Because guys, we get all prideful and all up and tight. and We don't want to show emotion and we don't want to tell each other how we feel about one another because you're considered to be weird if that happens. It means something. It means something when you've got a brother in Christ there to support you in anything that you're doing. It means something for me to know that that family loves me. And that they would drop anything to come help me as my family would them. That's how we should feel with every person that's sitting with us this morning. That I could call anybody in here and anybody would drop whatever they're doing if I had serious need. Because we're family and we love each other. Man, my family just gets a lot bigger. Any person that walks through that door, any other church that I get to go preach at, anything that you do in the name of Christ, your family grows. Every person that you share testimony to and they end up receiving Christ, your family grew that day. Because we all share the same blood. You want to talk about blood relatives. Everybody that shares the blood of Jesus Christ is your family. Jesus himself said it when he said, your mother and your brother's here to see you. He said, who is my mother and who is my brother? But we're all the same. We're all in this family together. And so I wanted to share that with you guys because I'm here for you guys. We are family. If you need anything, call me. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of other people that would stand this morning and say the same thing, that we're family. We'll start utilizing one another as we come together in the name of Christ. He calls us to be a body unified together. Why? Because a body that is dismembered can't function. But a body that's unified and sold jointly together can function. And guess what? It functions well. Especially when you put it under the head of Christ. And so let's remember that as we go forward. Whatever we're facing, you're not in it alone. That's what Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think that you're alone and that you're going at these battles by yourself. You can't tell anybody because it's disgraceful. You can't tell anybody because you're ashamed of it. You can't tell anybody because nobody else is facing the things that you're facing. Those are lies straight from Satan because he wants you to be alone. He does not want you to have family. He does not want you to call anybody. Because guess what? If you reach out, you might get strengthened. Hopefully, hopefully, if you reach out to a brother and sister in Christ, you will get strengthened. As we're here to build one another up, not tear each other down. There's way too many things that are tearing churches apart. It's because we lose our perspective and we lose what we are here for and what we are to do. And that kind of leads me into where I'm at today. It's perspective. Stay thankful. 
man, this hit me earlier in the week after Charlotte, and it's all about perspective because she, one thing that she stood up here and said that really, really spoke out to me was, y'all might think I'm crazy, but I don't care. So God's early church, when you look in the early church back in Acts, it was radical. I mean, there was all kinds, 3,000 people a day getting saved. I mean, these are radical, unbelievable, miraculous things happening. And guess what? These people coming forward, these people confessing, these people receiving the Spirit for the first time when it was unheard of before, did not care about the world. The church was radical. They didn't care what the world thought. Who cares? Man, the receiving of the Holy Spirit when nobody knew anything about it besides the people that were bringing them the gospel. And these people were getting indwelled with the Spirit and and seeing things and saying things that had never been done before. This is radical, edge of the world kind of stuff, man. I mean, it is weird and wild things are happening. It's all in the name of Christ, right? And so it made it good. It doesn't matter how radical it is if it's in the name of Christ. If it's truly in the name of Christ, it doesn't matter how weird the world thinks it is. It doesn't matter. Because a lot of people can't wrap their mind around who God is because they can't understand that God is limitless. Because we need to understand everything that happens in our lives and we have to give justification for everything that happens in our life because there has to be a reason for everything for us to wrap our mind around it. Why do you think there's so many debates that happen in Bible studies that get blown way out of proportion? Because people can't understand the fact that they can't understand everything. That there's things that happen that are unexplainable. Medical doctors have seen miraculous things happening. My uncle, for one, stage 4 colon cancer, decided not to take treatments anymore because he just wanted to feel good for a little bit. Man, he just wanted to feel healthy for a little bit. So he went four months without treatment. And the doctor said, all right, that's long enough. You need to come back in. We've got to get this thing back under control. He went back in, first scan. doctor said, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Keep doing whatever you're doing because it's shrinking without any treatment. It's going away on its own. I don't know. Keep doing whatever you're doing, right? Amen. I mean, he couldn't get his head around. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know why what he was doing isn't helping the problem. But guess what? My uncle calls on the same God that I call on, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, And he's the ultimate physician, and my uncle knows what's going on. But you can't explain it to all people. you got to find out where they're at before you get into these intense situations. And that's where I want to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, I look through all the epistles that Paul wrote, and he always identifies himself first. He wants everybody to know who he is and what he stands for, because he never says, I, Paul, who is acting alone, writing these letters to you. He doesn't do that. I, Paul, 
called by Jesus Christ, an apostle of God. He always follows it with his belief in what he stands for. So going into his letters of direction to these churches, they understand who he is and what he stands for. But by this time, most of them already knew who he was. And these were follow-up letters because he planted most of these churches himself. Radical, right? Let's start something new that nobody else is doing where you can have an eternal heaven with God, your creator, through Christ Jesus. That's a radical idea, right? You know what's even more radical? The fact that this earth was created for nothing without a creator. That's far-fetched, right? That's way more far-fetched than having a creator that created everything. We won't go down there. That's for a different story. Verse 2, it says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints, with all that are in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So first, he identifies himself. Second, he identifies who he's talking to. Why is this important? You have to know who you're addressing. You have to, before you hit them with a heavy knockout blow, you kind of need to know where they're at. Man, because if I'm talking about a non-believer, and I'm talking about seeing and casting out spirits to somebody that that doesn't believe in Christ, you're probably going to send them packing, and they're going to be scared for their life. I mean, you have to know who you're talking to. Paul addresses each and every person. First, he addresses who he is, what he stands for, who sent him. Second, he addresses who he's talking to. In this case, he says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he's talking to believers here. He's writing to the church of God, the church at Corinth, which he established that he relinquished to the, the guy that's a name I can par- barely pronounce back in the first verse, Soth- Sothenes, or whatever it is. He was the one running the church. And so he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth that he had established. He addresses who he is, what he stands for. Second, he addresses who he's talking to. Why? Because these things aren't going to make a whole lot of sense. To a non-believer. And so you got to know who you're talking to. If God is sending you with a message. He will put somebody in your way to receive that message. Look for them. They're going to be there. If God speaks to you something that you're like. Well I don't even understand that. Start looking for somebody that's going to cross your path. Because I've had messages given to me. Where I'm like I don't. What does that even mean? And then you get in a conversation with somebody about Christ. And it just, it rolls out of your mouth and you didn't even know you were going to say it. Because he was giving you direction for somebody else. That's the cool thing about being a body of Christ. When we withhold that stuff, we're not edifying one another. We're not helping one another. Because we're holding back messages of God that's meant for one another. So what happens first? We have to be in tune with what God would have for us. Not to leave those that don't believe out of things. Because they're never saying, don't come to my church. Don't listen to what I have to say. He's just saying, this is specifically for the church at Corinth that I established. Here's a message that I have for you. Not to say we're going to lock up the doors and not let anybody else in. 
That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, I know that you're believers in Christ. You're saved through Christ Jesus and his blood and the sacrifice that he made. And this message is for you because it's going to help you. And I know you're going to understand it because you're living for the same things that I'm living for. And see, he goes on in verse 3. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. I love how he always, not always, but a lot of times he says, grace be unto you in peace from God, our father. Why? All other grace and peace is useless, right? You can have peace here on earth, but it's only going to last for a second. And it's probably going to be while you're sleeping and not having a bad dream. I mean, it's, it's, Peace at my house is, with two little kids is hard to find. There's a lot of, whew, you know. And so my phone rings a lot. You can imagine by managing a business and, and being a pastor and a coach of a couple ball teams and, and father of two kids and, you know, a son with a handicapped dad and you kind of reach, anyway, life gets busy. So my peace is limited. It's usually when I'm asleep and my wife isn't waking me up saying, you're snoring really loud, quit and so peace from earth is limited and it's shallow and it's usually not very long. Grace. Has the earth ever offered you grace or forgiveness? No, it will slam dunk you anytime it gets a chance. I mean, it absolutely will. Why? Because it says Satan's rolling around like a roaring lion seeking who to devour or destroy. So grace... From earth is not possible. Peace from earth is very temporal. That's why Paul says, grace from God and peace from God to you. Why? Because these are everlasting things. It says you can be beaten down and, and danger on every side, but you can be peace and inside. How is that possible? Because you know that you live for a loving God who loves you, that it doesn't matter what happens to you here on earth. You've got better things coming. Even if this earth dissolves your flesh and you end up passing away, you get to go see a Savior. You get to go see your God. Things are Good things are coming, like Charlotte said. It's things that you can't even imagine. It's things that they try to describe in here, but it's undescribable because God is limitless in the things that He does. And so His goodness that He has for us in heaven, we can't wrap our minds around why because it's limitless it's limitless he says i go before you to build a mansion if it wasn't so i wouldn't tell you that that's what jesus said i go before you to build you a room in this mansion why because it's better than anything you can ever imagine here on earth so why would we think that his peace and his grace would be anything less than that it's not understandable. It's uncomprehensible. When you can sit there and there's wiles of the devil all around you, people are hating on you, calling you names, laughing at you, scorning you, but you sit there totally at peace and comforted. Why? Because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because of flesh in us, when somebody is sitting there cursing you to your face, your flesh wants to get back up in their face and you want to tell them all about it. But whenever you can sit there and take those kinds of things and then you can extend a hand after that conversation and say, I'm sorry that we had a misunderstanding. 
I'm sorry that you feel that way. I wish there was something I could do to help you out. That's what makes us different. We were talking about facial features this morning in Sunday school class and how there's like 7 billion people here on earth and everybody's face looks different. That's why you can do facial recognition on things because everybody's face is different. Kenny's like, there's just like eight different features. How can there be 7 billion different arrangements on this canvas? You know, some arrangements are better than others. Let's be honest. And uh, I said, you know, it's funny how much a fraction of an inch can make a difference when you're talking about how wide somebody's nose is, how far or how close together somebody's eyes are, you know, how, how wide their eyes open, how big their lips are. Fractions make a difference. We're called to be set apart by God, and fractions will set you apart. Fractions will make you different. It doesn't have to be the big old Billy Graham gospel. You don't have to pack stadiums for people to hear what you have to say. But if you can show loving kindness to somebody, fractions will set you apart. How does he said that they will know who you are? He said they'll know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. You will set apart by fractions. It doesn't have to be insurmountable numbers but fractions will set you apart from the mass majorities of this world why because after you accept christ you have god's grace you have his forgiveness you know that you're forgiven and you know that there's better things to come paul sitting in prison wrote a lot of these letters and he says count it all joy brothers and sisters don't feel sorry for me i'm in here because i was doing what god told me to do and god tells me that i'm going to get out of here so i believe that i'm going to get out of here and i'm going to go on keep doing what i'm doing and guess what even if they kill me shadrach meshach and abednego even if god does not save me from this he's already saved me eternally i know that my flesh doesn't matter i know that i have a god that loves me so even though you killed the flesh you can't kill my soul amen Amen? that's a beautiful thing peace peace comes from knowing that eternally you are his Peace comes from knowing that if your body gets mangled up in a wreck and you can't walk anymore, guess what? It doesn't matter. This body, this soul carrier is only temporary. My dad had, had its part of his body taken away from him at the age of 48 and has been paralyzed. They told him probably only got four or five years to live. That happened when I was 19. I'm now 35. Doctors don't know. They said he would never walk again. He's walking just fine. They said he would never talk right again. He's talking just fine. We rely on something that is limitless. Even if God chooses not to, guess what? If God would have chose to take my dad at that time, I know where my dad was going. I knew that my dad was going to heaven. Yes, I would miss him physically down here. Absolutely, I would. And I would have mourned for the loss of my father. But guess what? He would have been in a better place. And just like Charlotte said, he would have been standing at the gates waiting for me and my mother and my brother and his grandkids to come home. 
Because this is not home. We can't get content down here. That's why he says, build a tent. Don't build a dwelling. Build a tent because you're passing through. This is not temporary. Don't build permanent fixtures here unless they're for the kingdom of God. Because nothing that you build outside of my kingdom is going to stand anyway. You might as well not waste your time on it. We can do these things while people laugh at our face. Because you have the peace of God. And it's a peace that people can't understand because they don't know God. You can't explain it to them because they can't wrap their mind around it anyway. Why? Because I haven't wrapped my mind around it yet. I still don't understand why God would love me. Man, the things that I've done, the things that I've said, why would God love me? But it's already proven. He already sent his son to die for me. That is, I love you with an exclamation point that I'm going to sacrifice for you, even though I know you're going to do me dirty. And people can't wrap their mind around it. I can't wrap my mind around it. I'm not professing to know everything that the Bible has to say. I'm not professing to know everything that God knows. Why? Because God's knowledge and wisdom is, is limitless. It's, it's unbound. We can't put anything in a box. Why? Because He's bigger than any box. That's where we run into problems. And that's where we can be different by a fraction. Because we have peace that God gives us. We have grace that God gives us. And it's different than anything else that the world can offer. Verse 5. That in everything you are enriched by Him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. I want to really look at this one. This is the meat and potatoes of this lesson today. In everything you are enriched by him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. The things that you say make a difference. The way that you speak makes a difference. The way that you feel makes a difference. Are the things that we're saying acknowledging Him? Are the things that we're feeling acknowledging Him? We have to think about this in everyday life. Are the words coming out of our mouth, whether it be to a brother and sister in Christ, or whether it be to a stranger on the street, would it represent the kingdom of heaven well? Because guess what? You're an heir. As a brother and sister in Christ, you're heir to the kingdom of God. And when I wrote the title to this sermon this this morning, I actually came up with the title. I had been thinking about this all week. It says, stay thankful. Why? When you stay in a humbled state, when you stay thankful that God gave you grace and that God gives you peace. Nothing else really matters after that. Why? Because God gave you grace to spend eternity with Him. And guess what? He gave you peace so that you could endure this life down here. What else do you have to be thankful for? Everything else is bonus material. 
and it's all temporal. I love my family to death, and I'm thankful for them every day. But guess what? They're temporal. Because my family's all headed home one day, man. This place down here, this life we're building down here is temporary. That's what we have to understand. The things that we think we know down here are all temporary things. What little bit of knowledge, I like the way Kenny puts it, when you think about all the knowledge that is in the complete cosmos of everything, how much of it do you have? I mean, mine's not even measurable, I'm sure. But the one thing that I know is that I have a God that loves me. He loves me enough that he sent his only son to die that I may have access through him because he said the only way to the Father is through the Son. So he sent his son to die for me that I could receive what? Grace to get to heaven because he says, if you accept my son, then you've accepted me. And peace to endure down here. Paul had a peace about him, man. When you look at the life of Paul and everything that he went through, my goodness, what a man. I mean, he was a man's man. It's just amazing. And we all have that inside of us. We just quench it. Paul let it soar like an eagle. We choke it down. Because why? We like the temporal things down here sometimes a little better than we like the thought of eternity. I know that one hurts, guys. It hurts me. Because a lot of times when we choose sin and we do choose sin, we're saying... You know, I kind of like this one thing over here just a little bit better than the thought of everything else. But I'll guarantee you, if you start thinking about that before you sin, it's not going to be long, man. You're going to start changing things because you're going to be like, man, how stupid does that sound? How crazy does that sound that this this sin that may last whatever it is, is better than eternal life itself? No, it's not. So we have to change our way of thinking. We have to be thankful for the things that we have. You know, there was a little church that I preached at for a while down in Horseshoe Bend, man. And it was the, it was actually on Church Street, which is funny. In Horseshoe Bend, if you go and you find Church Street, there's like 10 churches on Church Street. It's pretty cool. I don't know which one they did first or if it, you know, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but the street or the church. It's weird, but... Anyway, this little church that I preached at was at the end of the row, man. It was the neglected one. It was the redheaded stepchild. No wonder God sent me there, right? It's just, there's no coincidence. God has a plan for everything, right? Redheaded stepchild sent me to the redheaded stepchild church. It's fine. But when I got down there, there was a hunger for God inside that building. I pulled up and I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? The outside doesn't matter, guys. It's where the inside lies that matters. There were five or six people down there that I have no doubts, as Kenny would put it, would saddle up a horse and ride into glory, slinging a sword with me. Man, they were hungry for the word of God every time the church doors were open. You knew that they were people that were living God's word outside of the church, and they brought it and were hungry for it every time, man, without fail. They were excited about what God was doing. They were excited about the things that they were seeing. Guess what? There'd be two or three of them get together and take a barbecue grill to the trailer park where there was a cop there 24-7, and they'd grill out and hand out free food, man. Because they knew that that was part 
of the, the area that needed to be reached. Guess what? They were the only church that reached out to that part of town. Man, their building was running down. They had leaks in their roof. And the walls weren't that great either. But the Spirit of God was inside of that building and inside of His children. And it didn't matter because their building didn't define who they were. Their building didn't define where their beliefs stopped, where their fire ended. Because they had a church outside of the walls that was bigger and infinite that they could reach out to, man. They didn't put an emphasis on their building. Buildings have to be maintained, but the focus wasn't there. The focus was on really getting out there and spreading God's love and God's glory, man. And they were all about it. It was awesome. It was awesome. But they were thankful for what they had. They were thankful for the things that God had given them. And that's the things that we have to stay thankful for. Because when we realized, when we talked about it last Thursday in our men's group, that everything is God that he allows you to borrow for a little bit. You think money is going to quit circulating after you die? No. You think nobody is going to live in your house after you die? It's probably going to be sold and somebody else is going to live there. Farms will still be farmed after you leave. Woods will still be hunted after you leave. Lakes will still be fished after you leave. You're just borrowing this life for a little while because it's all temporary. There's only one thing that you can do that lasts forever. And that's accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the only decision that you're ever going to make that has eternal effects. I can make a decision to tell somebody about God and it might turn into eternal effects if that's God's plan. But I can't make that decision for them. I can't make my kids accept Christ as Savior. The only decision that I can make that has certain eternal effects is deciding to serve Christ myself. Because I'm not in control of you all. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Somebody said, well, you can shove their head under and hold it there until something happens. <laughs> and you can. But you've got a fight on your hands. <laughs> but decisions to be made. I always tell people, once you've decided to live for Christ, every other decision's easy after that, man. Because none of them have eternal effects. You've made the decision that has long-lasting effects, and that's deciding to serve. Now, if you choose not to serve, you've made a decision the same way the other way. Because there are two choices. God's not going to make you make either one of them. You're going to decide on your own, and you're going to stand and account for that decision that was made. And I know people are thinking, well, you cannot make a decision. Well, by not making a decision, you made a decision, right? Because he said there is no middle ground. There's not going to be a, a neutral place for people that are non-deciders. If you're not gathering for my kingdom, you're scattering. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. when we stay thankful for the things that God has given us and He's given us grace and He's given us peace in this passage. Grace so that we could have eternal value. Peace so that we can withstand what's happening down here. That's what Paul's talking about. 
And if we stay thankful, then guess what? The things that we say are kind of come out of humbleness and meekness and kindness because we're, we're gracious for what God has given us and we're gracious for the fact that he's even let me breathe his air. I'll tell you a joke real fast because it is pretty funny. There's a group of scientists and they had come up with the deal that they could create a human out of dirt just like God said he did, right? Okay, so he went to the scientists like, God, we, we don't need you anymore. We've done it. We've done it. We can create a human out of dirt. God's like, all right, well, I kind of need, I want to see this, you know. And so they went out there and, and they were going to have this contest. Who could make the best human out of dirt, right? And so scientists is like, hey, I'll go first. And he takes up a scoop of dirt and God said, no, no, get your own dirt. <laughs> right? So in any time, in any situation that you don't think that you need God, when you resort to breathing, you're on borrowed terms. Well, you can say, well, the trees convert oxygen. Guess who created the tree? Guess who created the dirt that the tree grows in? And so whenever we get to a point where we think that we can do everything without God because we've got everything that we need, just know even non-believers have to know the fact that they're on borrowed time. Man, that's all God's stuff that He's given you because He loves you. Why? Because He created you. He allows us to live and to breathe and to work in a world that He created. Our successes and failures on this earth don't mean a whole lot if you ain't got an eternal weight of glory. You can be the most successful person here on this earth. Guess what? They say three generations, nobody will know that you ever even lived. Three generations. Well, I'm going to change that. I'm going to be the... No. No, you're not. Because it's all temporal down here. It's all meaningless unless it's work for the kingdom of God. God says on the last day, when I cure everything by fire, the only thing left standing will be the things with eternal glory. The only things left standing will be the seeds that you planted for my kingdom. He said, everything else you've built, it's all going away. Why? Because it's meaningless. It won't stand. Nothing's going to stand except for the work that you've done in the kingdom work. And when he's talking about that, he's talking about souls. He's talking about people's souls. How many seeds did you plant? How many, how many got harvested because you planted a seed? You know, you talk about, I was talking about farming earlier. You can walk around with a handful of seeds. You can know everything that the Bible has to offer. And you can have it right here in the palm of your hand. But it does you absolutely no good if you never drop one. They're not going to grow right here. They're not going to grow in your hand. Seeds will never produce holding them in your hand. They have to be dropped on. The parable that Jesus gives us knows, hey, some of your seeds, they're going to drop on a rock, man. They ain't going to grow. Some of your seeds are going to drop in the shallow soil, and blah, you know, so on and so forth. But if you never drop a seed, it never has a chance to grow. So when we stay thankful... 
guess what? Those seeds as we walk along are easily going to drop out of our hand because we realize that the only thing that we've got is what God gave us. And if we start living for self and, and the things that we know and the things that we desire and they become of more value than what God has, we lose our thankfulness, we lose our humbleness, and guess what? We start to get bitter, we start to get angry, and these things start to develop inside of us. And we're talking about the fire earlier. If these things don't stay checked, if you don't check them, then they will get out of control in a hurry. They will get out of control in a hurry. We have to really watch these things. Verse 6 says, Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you until the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, I had a question wrote down here in my notes. And it really hit home to me, guys. One of the questions I had wrote down here, are you confirmation that Christ has the ability to change lives? Are you confirmation that Christ has the ability to change a person's life? Or are you the same as the rest? Like I said, we're talking fractions of differences, reactions, things that are said. When a person comes from a thankful state, you can really understand when somebody has true peace. Man, you can really see it in people. I had a gas station attendant, and I'm not boasting myself, it's the glory of God, but I had a gas station attendant. Man, she was a single mom. Her kid was really acting out in school, and she just kind of broke loose to me one day. Now, a lot of problems. And uh, she's like, I just don't get how a person can stay happy all the time in the world that we live in. And I said, well, I can tell you the one thing that I know that you don't is I know Christ is Savior. And then I was like, "Mm, well, that was kind of (laughs) rude. I didn't say that, guys. That wasn't me. I wasn't acting on my own. It was not by chance that this lady had broke down to me that day. And she's like, wow, really? That makes that big of a difference? And I'm like, if you only knew who I used to be, girl. If you only know who I used to be. Are you walking living proof that God can change somebody? That's a hard question to ask yourself. Are the things that you do proof that God exists? We're not perfect. We're not sinless. But we can start to sin less. That's from your brother Kenny back there. I love that when he says it. It says in verse 6, Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In Romans 12.1 it asks if you, it says that the reasonable service is to present your body as a temple. That's a reasonable service is to present your body as a temple for the spirit. So do you allow it to roam free in your life? Are you a walking, talking example of what Christ can do? Not as perfection, man. We're all here because we need a doctor, right? There's some sick people here. I know. Yeah. I mean, we're all sick. We know we need a healer. 
We all know that we need saving, right? But we can't start desiring the healing more than we desire the healer. This is a song if somebody doesn't know. Some of these biggest tests that we go through where we tend to lose our thankfulness can be turned into our biggest testimonies. When somebody asks you one day, what makes you so different? You stand in the fact that you have a reason of hope through Christ Jesus. Verse 9, last verse says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you would, please stand with me this morning. We're going to open up the altars today, guys. I don't know what's on your hearts. But I know that God is doing a work and God is continually doing a work in the people in this community, the people in this church, the people in our school. But man, if we can stay thankful, if we can stay in the humble place of knowing that everything that we've got is because God wanted us to have it, that God has given it to you, that guess what? You could do without it. Why? Because you have grace and you have peace. And they're both from God. Man, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, there was a guy that was walking along. He seen a guy on crutches that only had one leg. And he was singing and humming around. And he was just really happy. And the guy with two legs goes, man, I don't know how you can be happy with only having one leg. He said, I don't know how you can be so unhappy with two. I'm going to roll today. But it's true. It's all about perspective. That guy was thankful that he still had one leg to get around on. Then here I I mumble and grumble because I've got two. Man, stay thankful that what God has given you. And God has given you peace for the storm. And God has given you grace for when he calls you home. If you don't have either of those today, today is the day, man. Today is the day. This altar is going to be opened up. And we want, we want to see lives changed, man. We want to see directions faded into a different direction. If you're headed down a bad path today, if you've made some wrong decisions, and today's the day of correction, remember those fires that get lit, that stay unchecked. Whenever they resurface, they'll soon be out of control. Today's the day that we check those fires. Today is the day that we say, God, I want you more than any sin in this world. I desire your kingdom first and foremost today. God, today is the day that I start directing my life towards you. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 60 years. You might need to say that today. You might have accepted Christ 50 years ago, but today you're like, man... I need to see God first in my life because I haven't been doing it. I want God to change me and use me today. It doesn't matter if you're three or 300. God can use you for something because he created you and your life has purpose. The altars are open. Is anybody else today? Today's the day, you guys. God made this morning, man. What a beautiful day. He gave us another day to make decisions. To make decisions for eternal. I am happy to announce that a decision was made this morning. Amen.
God called another one of his children. What a wonderful day it is. Another member of the family. And as a member of the family, we're charging all of you that are already members. Man, we got a job to do now. Because we know what's about to happen, right? She needs protection. She needs guidance. And that comes from her family. Amen. Amen. We can all help. What a good, glorious God that we serve. Um, I'm not going to interrupt this moment with announcements. If you would, please bow your head with me and then we'll circle and shake hands. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God. God, you are so good. I I get so excited, God, and, and seeing you work, especially in these kids, God. They've got a whole life ahead of them. God, that it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Today's the day that counted because she made a decision. God, that she's going to spend eternity with you and you decide to call her home. God, that all the strongholds that have, have been holding her life and all the things that we value here on earth, God, that they all get torn by the decision that we make to live a life for you. God, and we know that that decision is only made by accepting your son, Jesus Christ. God, you tell us that there's only one way, and that's through the Son. Lord, that decision has been made today by this one. Lord, I hope that there is more. I believe that there is more to come, God, that the work is to be done yet, and the church body is to stand firmly around this young lady as she desires to lead a life for you, God, that you would put it in every one of our hearts, God, to be an example, to be a soldier, to be a protector, God, to be a guider, that we would all do our due diligence, God, to help protect her. Lord, she's part of your family now. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. God, I pray that you be with everybody today as they leave here. Lord, if a decision wasn't made today, God, and they're on the teeter-totter, God, that you would pull them so hard to one side that tonight would be the night, that this afternoon would be the night. God, they don't need me. God, they need you. God, that those decisions would be made now God we're thankful for today God we know that we're on borrowed time but God we're coming home to spend eternity with you it's in Jesus name we pray amen we're going to shake your hand is that okay okay